Ethical Pages podcast. Last week we had Anisha and Rosida on from the Happy Prone. Um, I hope you enjoyed that. It was a pretty long one, and uh, but just like a totally incredible story. Um, I've eaten those prawns and they are insane. Um, I can't recommend uh, getting them off their website, which is just thehappyprone.co. Um, this week we have uh, Jen from uh, Dirtbags uh, Climbing Company, which are based in uh, Kendall in the in the north in the in the north in the north of the UK um, in the Lake District. Um, so yeah, uh, Jen has developed um, a totally uh, brilliant idea, um, which basically upcycles um, old. Uh, climbing gear into uh, diff- into bags main- mainly. I think she started with um, developing a chalk bag. Uh, for those of you who don't know, a chalk bag uh, obviously um, is for chalk, which climbers use on rocks and indoor climbing centres to give them grip. So it's a, an essential essential item for a climber. Um, so she yeah she upcycles like old rope, old bags, uh, anything she can kind of get her hands on. Um, into uh, different into new new items such as bags, chalk bags, um, a whole list of stuff really. I think she's bra- branched out into like kit bags and uh, belts and things. So yeah, um, it's totally it, like what she's doing really. It's not like everyone knows about recycling, and the the point is that recycling is. Um, like breaking down of something like so for example a plastic bottle you can break it down into um, fibers which are then used in uh, t-shirts like the t-shirts that we make at Inland Sea um, that's called PET um, but what Jen is actually doing is reusing like um, old like basically stuff that actually can't really be recycled so if she gets a bag she's just like decompose uh, so deconstructing it um, and, re- and upcycling it into a new bag. Um, so uh, her idea and vision is like, in terms of ethical and trying to solve the climate crisis is probably one of the best. And the direction that that business is going in is, uh, yeah, totally um, the right way. And I think we can all learn from uh, what Janet is doing um, along with her husband-to-be, um, uh, which you'll learn about on the uh, podcast. And I think she's got a couple of people working for her as well. So um, anyway, without further ado, I'll hand over to Jen from Dirtbags Climbing Company. Yeah, so uh, cheers for coming on the podcast. Uh, You're Jen. welcome. So you run um, Dirtbags in... Uh, are you actually in Candle in the Lakes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're cool. in we're in Gatebeck, which is like right, a bit, out, bit more rural. Yeah, <laughs> so you're like right in the uh, thick of it for climbing and bouldering. Certainly are. It's wonderful. It's uh, not wonderful right now because it's uh, it's basically flooding around here at the moment. <laughs> is it? Yeah, yeah. We have to drive. Yeah, we have to drive over a little bridge to get to get to work, and uh, we were sort of wondering whether we'd be able to move for it. But actually, it was clear, so we're good. Was it cool? So does it flood loads? Um, does it flood quite a lot there? Like, uh, I think a few if, a few years ago we had yeah. um, the massive storm and the massive floods that just yeah. basically ruined the whole of Kendal. So every time it rains, you can just sort of feel everyone in Kendal go. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> no, I think we're all right now. We've had we spent millions of pounds on flood defences. So. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> see, if, well, it's like see if they work, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so yeah so just talk to us about like why you set up um dirt bags and like the origin story more than anything uh, at first and how it all came about 
Yeah, okay. Um, pretty, pretty simple standard story. I was pregnant on maternity leave. Um, yeah. My job was I was a cafe manager. Um, so I kind of took my maternity leave a little bit earlier because I was on my feet all day and I was massive and tired. So I took it a bit earlier before I had the baby. And I was just bored, so bored. Um, James found a, a sewing machine and a skip outside of his work and brought it home and we have like loads of stuff and we're quite handy so I just sort of started making things and cool. started selling them and then that's basically it we moved out we were we had um the sewing machine on a on a dresser in the corner of the bedroom and then I ran out of space and got told off because I was leaving threads all over the floor in the bedroom yeah so I moved into the kitchen and then and then we ran out of space there and then we had to build a shed in the back garden and then the shed was too small so we built a shed extension in, in, in the back garden and then eventually this year we um took a leap rented a unit made it a proper company and now amazing. we're here sick that's uh, amazing so yeah so it's full uh, is, is is it the both of you like you and your are you married is your husband my partner, well, partner well, yeah. well we were supposed to get married this night all oh, right yeah i remember you saying yeah yeah <laughs> my nearly husband james yeah oh, so we started it and now there's myself james and my friend carly who works oh, amazing with. yeah because i saw that you're looking for someone else to um take on at the moment yeah well yeah yeah we're coming up towards christmas and we have the kendall mount festival mm -hmm. kind of happening online yeah in the next month um so i need a bit of help making stuff so yeah exciting that's amazing so really you've uh, grown pretty quickly in order to actually take on staff as well like uh, so it must be going pretty well and yeah, well, we've done it all without any investment or money. I've just mm. basically been taking kind of what money that we've made and kind of reinvesting it. So it's been yeah. slow in terms of that. Yeah. But the, the kind of customer base is there and, to, and also obviously the um, materials. That mm. I think that's kind of what's grown it is that when I said, okay, has anyone got any old climbing gear? I just got overwhelmed with the amount of stuff that came back and and then I was like okay so I'll start taking tents as well as anyone got any tents and then the same yeah. thing happened and um, yeah it, it, it was um it's very much like a tip of an iceberg thing when you start to look into the industry mm. and what is thrown away and what is wasted and what is kind of still fine yeah things like buckles and zips and like if you throw a jacket away it's not waterproof you're still throwing all the buckles and zips away where they yeah, could yeah. be unpicked yeah. and used for something else and that's basically what i do okay so it was more of the um the need for people to get rid of things that made all of this go quite quickly yeah crazy so like um, before you'd put the feelers out i suppose they'd just be like people would just be chucking rope and all the sort of old climbing gear away or yeah. trying to recycle them as much as possible. So have you got like a really steady um, supply chain of people who are just giving, giving you their um, waste? Well, we, kind of, we were sort of getting there until lockdown happened and then we weren't, people weren't climbing and then so oh, man, yeah. the usage isn't as high as it would have been. Mm. But um, I just spend a lot of time nagging people and I spend a lot of time emailing companies saying oh you know you're having a clear out can I have all your stuff and yeah. uh, I mean it looks good on them because they're responsibly 
getting rid of of things rather than putting it in a skip as yeah. kind of that was the way to do to do it a couple of years ago and now they are saying right okay does this really need to go in a zip a skip because it won't it won't degrade over time it's, it's all yeah. plastic based this rope these harnesses you know um off cuts of material and um, we've got a few rucksack makers and a few manufacturers up here and i just sort of every so often go in and uh yeah, go with a box and get all of their little bits and bobs that they're not going to use. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit, you know, Yeah, amazing though. That's like yeah. just it's so awesome to have like a business like that that you're kind of solving a waste problem, but also mm. you're effectively getting free material, aren't you, to create everything? Yeah, yeah. Um, all you've got to do is just fi- find it, I suppose. Like, uh, and as soon as people know that you take it, <laughs> I do this thing, and I shouldn't stop doing it because it's good i just sort of say yeah send it to me and then you know the the garden shed is absolutely full of stuff yeah. and it's like i'll i'll sort it out there um so in terms of like the the problems within the climbing industry because obviously mm. that's like who you serve the most like you make um short bags it's obviously like mm. we've bought short bags off you before cheers for the yeah. snoopy, snoopy one uh, Vic, Vic's like a crazy uh, Snoopy, uh, strange Snoopy fan. Like, but she, she my uh, partner, she likes to keep it uh, on the quiet, so she'll probably be annoyed. I'm telling everyone, <laughs> but she's a huge Snoopy fan. So, cheers for the oh, Snoopy yeah. bag. Um, so yeah, like all your like your target market are climbers and boulders. Um, so within that industry, is like waste a huge problem? Have you always seen it as like because um, I'm like from a surfing background, and obviously I know like problems with fashion industry and everything um and surfing is just like i just find it like one of the most sort of hypocritical um industries that you could ever be in with a surfboard made out of polyurethane and horrible resins that literally will never go away um so within your like industry within the climbing industry how bad is like um the waste situation i i would say kind of in the past couple of years it is Consumers and the companies are becoming a lot better. They're thinking a lot more about how to, what happens after, what happens kind of yeah. once I've used this up. Um, it's a difficult one really because with climbing, a lot of the things that I work with uh, is safety. Okay. So say, say look at surfing and Patagonia have done a new wetsuit that's not oil-based, it's... Um, rubber isn't it yeah you like so that they're kind of you can come you can compromise on that material because they found another sort of replacement but with climbing rope it's yeah. your you know it's your life that yeah, is on the right. end of it and you want yeah. it you want it to to be as sturdy and as strong as it needs to be mm-hmm. so that means that the materials that it's made of firstly and secondly it means the the lifespan of it you want it to be new and fresh and not 20 years old and had a million falls on it um and i you know i get that when 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 the climber gives me their rope it's like i don't want to get rid of it but i can't climb on it anymore it's just sitting in my garage and they always feel really really guilty about giving it away but they felt even guiltier throwing it in the bin yeah and there's all sorts of emotions mixed up with especially when i get things directly from individual climbers and customers because they they you've had a life with it already, mm. you know, the, the cagoule that 
took you up you know Snowden and things like that and you've had this for 20 years and all of the fabric's kind of gone a bit but all the zips and buckles are fine and that's mainly the conversation I have every day with people it's like well that's fine but that bit isn't and yeah. so I can't donate it to yeah, someone yeah, yeah. who would need it because it's not it's not good for that use anymore um so it's, it's a funny one because a lot of it is safety based harnesses um, and ropes and um, things like that have a lifespan and there's not really much way of changing it. Yeah. So yeah. when, yeah, so when a rope, like someone obviously uses a rope for a number of years or whatever, um, and it comes to an actual end, um, is that when you recycle it into like a truck bag or you recycle it into something else, but you'd never actually remake it into rope? No. Also, I think, I think Edelred do a rope that they, they take old rope and make it into new rope. Mm. But it's really quite new. Okay. Um, and that, that is a step forward. And that's something that I obviously can't do because I'm not a scientist. But that's yeah. what I want. That's what I, as a climber, personally want to see from the climbing companies is yeah, yeah. things like that, innovation like that. Mm -hmm. But in the like meantime, little, yeah. little brands like us can scoop everything yeah. at the bottom ready for the tip and kind of give it put it back in the system for another life before it has to come come yeah. out again totally yeah it's kind of like what patagonia are doing like you're saying with the wetsuits of yes. um, companies just do something like that with ropes um and i think like recycling of actual clothes is pretty big now within the much bigger companies like recycling polyester and regenerating clothes regen i some of the clothes that we get are made out of regenerated clothes so yeah it's sort of sl definitely slowly happening it's like mm. two years ago it seemed pretty much non-existent and now a lot of people are doing it aren't they so well there's, cool. it's because there's a, there's a demand for it it's yeah. because um the consumers are saying we want to shop um ethically we want to shop um in an eco-friendly eco manner mm -hmm. and that's kind of forcing companies hands now um and i i guess that that's where i see us as for dirt bags going is that I, I want to be able to provide like a reuse service for bigger brands okay. I want them to come to me and say right we've got all of this waste we don't want to recycle it we want to reuse it because these zips are fine this fabric is fine but we're just not using it right now or yeah. it's not it's not suitable for our use can you do things and that's mm -hmm. where that's what I think that's where, that's we're where going. you see it going yeah. yeah so actually serving bigger businesses rather than just mm. like uh, the consumers yeah 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 that's interesting yeah um cool so uh, tell me about the name uh dirt bags as well how did that come about because it's uh, I, I love it totally <laughs> <laughs> um well it, it kind of um comes from like the american climbing scene yeah yeah um over in yosemite there's just kind of a lifestyle kind of back in the 80s 90s early 2000s of climbers kind of living off the doll mm -hmm living in a van just living to climb living to do what you want to do and cool. it it seems to work quite well yeah, yeah. kind of want i want to give that ethos away you know yeah yeah working's work but life's life you know yeah totally right definitely must massively resonate with uh climbers like, mm. uh, that sort of thing yeah for sure so um like because i think like um going back to like surfing and surfers and everything and like they do have this kind of they've always had like that sort of hippie um earth sort of first um 
what you call it, uh, that's what surfing is meant to be about. Is that the same within like the climbing cl climbing community that they kind of want to protect the environment? Is it like a bit, is it like, is it at the forefront of like climbing and like a, do you play on that a lot? Like a, I know that the surfing industry does, but if you look deep into it, it's not actually <laughs> that. It's really, really difficult to be an ethical surfer, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, I understand. There's a, there's a mentality within a, an outdoor community. Yeah. And I guess it spans over surfing and, and it's just kind of the outdoor industry as a whole, isn't it? It's, totally, yeah. You spend your time in the outside, you spend your time in nature, enjoying what is here for us. Of course you want to keep it going, even if it's in a selfish sense, like I, I love go hiking up these mountains. I want these mountains to be here in 20, 30, 40 years time and looking mm -hmm. exactly the way it is, you know. Um, climbing is a funny one at the moment because it is boomed massively. It's such a big industry now. And there's so much money that goes into it. it made, kind of the dirtbag ethos of of you know the dirtbag is is yeah. you don't need any money to to, to climb you, you, you know you're not necessarily a rich person you, you're rich with time because you need the time to do it but in terms of of monetary um richness you don't need it and mm -hmm. um, but at the moment with climbing walls and indoor climbing outdoor climbing bouldering track climbing sport climbing climbing abroad climbing in scotland in wales and, and there's there is a huge industry now to it and there's a lot of money that goes into it so you have people who are very much um i don't want to spend any money i'm just here to climb and i see that and i am that sort of person and what you can do to help is just leave no trace go have fun leave it exactly as you as you as you found it um, and then you get people that have never climbed outside that are still climbers because you have indoor walls and you have indoor climbers solely, which must be really, really frustrating for them at the moment because they can't. <laughs> um, so you have a crossover of kind of of mentality with, with the customers that we get. Um, I'm not saying that indoor climbers don't care about the outdoors. They do. Of course they do because everyone does and should. It's it's a very, very wide, wide band now. There's mm -hmm. so many different kind of cliques around yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've just, there's a, we're in Macclesfield, there's the climbing wall that opened up uh, in Mac, um, which is really like bouldering and a bit, it's, yeah, all bouldering really, but uh, that's it, the only place that I've done. I've not done any uh, outdoor climbing as of yet. Um, so where do, you, where do you recommend, uh, where's, where's the best place to climb? Uh, that you that you found. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's question. Well, funnily, I live. Well, we live in the Lake District, and obviously yeah. it's beautiful, and there's so many good places to to kind of climb. And um, you've got Langdale Boulders and Langdale Valley, and you've got Coniston Boulders if you boulder in. And but we actually spend more time climbing in the Peak District. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> mainly because. Um, James's parents live in Pontefract and we right. kind of drive drive to Pontefract and like kick our son out of the car <laughs> for, mm -hmm. for a weekend of babysitting <laughs> and then just keep driving down to the beach. <laughs> it works quite well. I'm picking up on Sunday on the way back. <laughs> and he loves going there for the for the weekend blast. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. I spend a lot of time um in the beach. Cool. Going here, 
had where I gripped down climbing, which is this time of year or because it's getting a bit colder. Yeah, so it may, it, for outdoor climbing, obviously, it makes a difference with the temperature for the rocks. Um, so obviously, does that doesn't matter so much for bouldering? Is it more for um, putting in your uh, no, ropes and things? Or does it matter for bouldering? Yeah, is yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so gritstone season is kind of from now until it starts to get warm and sweaty. So oh, really? Yeah. As it's colder, you can kind of hold on to smaller things. Right, no, right. I didn't know that. Um, so obviously with COVID, um, what actually happened in the first lockdown, um, you people just weren't allowed to, well, we weren't allowed to leave, leave our houses. So, um, and then I know, um, like obviously climbing centres and everything had to shut. Um, what's the deal now? Are we allowed to go climbing? Ah, I have absolutely no idea. We've <laughs> just been waiting on the BMC issuing statements because that's what they did the first time around is that the BMC kind of kept on top of the, the British Mountaineering Council. Okay, yeah. And um, they are kind of the climbing gods at the top who look after the land and mm -hmm. kind of look, they, they sort out access to crags and various um, event, outdoor sporting venues. Um, all the climbing walls are now shut. Well, no, they're shut on Thursday yeah. and Wednesday. So they're shut tomorrow. Which is really sad and upsetting because everyone was just sort of starting to get back into it. Yeah. But we just, we have to do what we're told, don't we? Yeah, it's a funny one, uh, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, so we're just waiting on the BMC tomorrow to issue a statement as to what you can and can't do. Um, I have heard locally of a few, like, private car parks being closed to kind of dissuade people from going on days out in certain areas, which makes me worry a bit. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? You just think mm. that things like that, it's to it's totally outdoor. You pretty much shoot you're pretty much doing it on your own or with a partner, no matter mm. what. Um yeah. so it sort of doesn't I don't know, it seems like it'll be a bit senseless to stop people climbing, I think, but I don't know, yeah. Um same with surfing and you just I, I don't know, there's no guidance and like I go to Wales all the time to go surfing and they're like coming out of a lockdown, so it's like can I actually drive? I know that you're not actually meant to travel, but it's like, could I actually drive to Wales to go surfing? And same with you, like, could you drive to yeah. Wales and go uh, climbing? Especially if you know that you're you're literally just going to get in your car, drive yeah. to the sea, get out of your car. Exactly, totally. It's really it's really frustrating. Yeah. Isn't it? It's weird. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. See what happens. It's yeah. Yeah, but then what's to stop other people saying the same thing and saying, mm. "Well, I'm just gonna, you know, I just want to go build sandcastles. Why can't I do that?" And you know, yeah, that, totally. that's, that's the generally how you gauge whether something's good or bad. Is if if everyone does it, is it still good? Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, person. yeah, it's a tough one, tough one. Um, so talk us through all the different products because I know that you've obviously got the chalk bag, and then I've seen that you're doing bags, and then I, I saw your um, what do you call it Instagram stories yesterday, and it looked like you were doing something with a with a coat. Um, so yeah. yeah, talk. Have you got any sort of new products that you're bringing out, and what's what have you gone up? What what do you actually produce at the moment? What are the products that you've got? We do, yes. So at the, usually we kind of keep it small i do chalk bags we make belts out of the rope the climbing rope it looks great because it's all so bright and vibrant especially after you wash all the horrible years of use out of it mm -hmm. it comes out so bright and beautiful so we have the rope belts we have the rope chalk bags boulder bags um things like that um at the moment i've actually just made a really small um boulder pad which i'm really cool. excited 
about I just wanted to test it out to see how long it took me how much it would cost me to make and things like that that yeah. I don't think I'm going to do that before Christmas but but at the moment we've got a really exciting project with Berghouse mm-hmm. so Berghouse contacted me um quite recently to say is there anything that we can do in terms of like a collaboration project um reusing some of our jackets and trousers and kind of sample fabrics that they weren't going to use so I said yeah send me a box try to stay cool <laughs> so they sent me a couple of a couple of big boxes of things and I've just been that's what the jacket was so right. I've been chopping all, chopping the jackets up taking all the components apart and I've got um a few chalk bags with kind of little zip pockets in um, cool. and I've got a little kit bag and I've just just before we I took the call now I was just making like a laptop case all right nice then. So I've got, so I'm only showing you because I'm next to me and I don't realise oh. I'm on a podcast, but <laughs> I'm making a, oh, a little amazing. like a laptop case. It's sort of half made with like fleece inside. Oh man, beautiful. And then we've got bum bags as well. So I've made a few bum bags. Cool. So I've got a lot of work to do in the next couple of weeks because I think the launch date is kind of mid to last week of November. Oh, right, really? For what? For Berghouse? So they're specifically being made for Berghouse oh, itself? Yeah, so they're yeah. wanting to co- co-brand it. Oh, amazing. Brilliant. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got lots of work to do, so I'm going to keep the coffee pot. Cooking. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's brilliant. So have you got a specific order to meet with those guys? No, they've just sort of said, do what you want with it. Use as, much right. as, use as much as you can, do what you want. Um, we just want to put our name behind it because it's their fabric. Yeah. It's for us to sell. Oh, right, amazing. So even if I get nothing done, it's, yeah, I've yeah, just yeah. got nothing to sell, that's all. Yeah, no, that's amazing, brilliant. Yeah, um, it's really good. Cool. Uh, yeah, so yeah, I was going to, like, because I think you might have talk, talked about, like, uh, wetsuits, and have you looked into um, how to recycle <laughs> wetsuits? And, like, I know Finisterre do, uh, I think they're the first ones that have actually created a fully recycled wetsuit, or... It's a wetsuit made out of old wetsuit material, I think it is, isn't it? And have you looked into more of that at all? Yeah, so I've just, I was reading the Finisterre's kind of, they have a a blog about their recycled wetsuit. It is a really, really good positive step towards reducing, because up until that point, there was absolutely nothing, nothing done other than like the odd kind of individual maker to, to do anything about this neoprene. It's all oil, which is yucky, yucky, horrible. Mm. um and how i mean how many wetsuits do you go through as a surfer yeah totally that's it's again it's another one that's like proper like massive waste and what do you yeah. do with an old wetsuit you can't you can with kids like we get hand-me-down kids wetsuits loads but then yeah only wetsuit that i use no one is gonna they always they get holes in like uh and they're just the quality of them and they get yeah. colder and everything so yeah it's yeah. pretty much a, a throw, throwaway job um, yeah, so, yeah. same as as climbing stuff, same as any yeah. any outdoor person, you use it, you use it to the very end of its totally, life. Yeah. Give it away, it's done. Yeah. It's a continuing project, it's a continuing okay. thing yeah, yeah, yeah. as part of the Outkit Foundation. So they um, have big boxes in every store. We've got five shops, uh, four shops. I've seen those. Uh, um, uh, I have to say. Yeah, you just see them in like the boxes. That, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just people can just okay. chuck anything in that, basically. Yeah, so, yeah, so people put um, their old stuff in that they're not going to use, and mm-hmm. primarily, all the stuff that gets donated goes to charities. So they would go to like um, a kids' outdoor charity, homeless charity, things where the product is going to get used. 
mm-hmm. and it's going to get used by someone because it's a product that's absolutely fine and ever so often they will get things that <laughs> like rucks up with a massive hole in the bottom and things like that that you think why we donated that and that's when it comes to us that we're we're the guys right at the bottom that get everything that they can't use or that isn't suitable for any of their charities and um, and even though all over the box it says we can't accept shoes or wetsuits they they still get donated yeah. so Altkit kind of contacted me and said we get we get these wetsuits do you want them or not and I said well yeah I'll have a look and then I've kind of got a huge pile of um of wetsuits <laughs> and it's it's definitely not a, a recycle thing for me because I have got no no way of processing fabric in that way it's all reuse yeah. okay. so, so it's reusing and repurposing if you're a pedant that's what I'm, what I'm doing so I've kind of washed them all chopped them all up and I've got them as sheets of neoprene and I've got finally got a machine that actually stitches through it. It's really, really awkward fabric to, to yeah. use to work with. So um, we finally got something. It's just like a little wallet, not like a, a document wallet sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got that that I'm sort of working towards, try and get it into a proper product that I'm happy to put out there. Um, but that is, so we can we can do that now, and that is I've sort of said to Alpkit, you can change it on your sign to say yes, we will accept all wetsuits. Yeah, yeah. People yeah, kept asking good. them, and you know they they obviously sell wetsuits. They have their own ones that get returned, and they can't sell on. So, um, that is another arm of what we're doing now is neoprene oh, yeah. neoprene reuse. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. But there's not there's not a lot of people that that do it. You can do it. It's just it's really awkward to sew. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. It's kind of like you're totally solving um, big issues here, aren't you, with the with the whole business? It's not just about an end product that you do. You've got like a whole. There's a lot underneath it in terms of how you actually uh, source your materials and mm. and you're solving like a huge problem. Yeah, like neoprene. I reckon, yeah. like if you got in contact with surf shops and um, as a source to get it, you'd yeah could be inundated with with wetsuits. To be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah well that's that's basically how how we do things i don't go right i want to make a product and i need to get some stuff for it it's very mm. much like these these are my materials what can we make these are my materials what can i do with it because that's that's my the, the drive is what we have rather than where we can sell it it's, yeah brilliant it's great of, great yeah. little model yeah yeah cool awesome yeah like um because i've always thought obviously about like actual clothes and regenerating clothes and like um, you never. You can obviously stick those cl- stick your clothes in those big uh, bins that are meant to be for recycling or for charity. Um, but then, what do they do? A lot of the clothes must just go to landfill. Um, yeah, you don't. You don't really know where it goes, do you? No. So, like, obviously, like for inland sea, I've tried to. Um, I, I work with a, a. Well, it's just it's a refill shop that's just set up in Macclesfield, like the first ever mm. refill shop. So we're talking about possibly having a a, a clothing bin that people put all their old like ripped clothes or just you know end of like to, to be recycled but then it's like would you would you take that material and look at doing something with it or would would like so if I had an old t-shirt that had holes and everything in it would you mm. would you still take that would you find be able to find something for it or that's that is something that we we couldn't do things like that because when it when the the fabric itself is kind of de- degraded I, I just mm. take parts of fabric and things that are still okay okay and um, so what you'd be looking you'd be looking at when taking the f- 
fabric and kind of remaking it into yarn and using that yarn into making something else and I mean I saw an advert that popped up on my Facebook feed the other day for H&M yeah and I saw that H&M are doing something like that by taking Uh, locals and then breaking them back down and redoing it um so companies are definitely feeling the need to look I'm not mm-hmm. saying what they're doing is right. There's a lot of issues with bigger fashion brands in terms of paying their garment workers and things first before yeah. doing. It's got to be a, yeah. Like I mean, like what we found, like um, just getting waste material that's effectively free. All you've got to do is source it, and um, it's like the time that it takes. Uh, and I presume people just send it for you, and they'll pay for the postage or whatever. Um, but surely, like for bigger brands, it's like a really good an idea that and if Pete like you said about the demand if people start to demand regenerated clothes and then they start to use systems where they take their old clothes into big big clothing stores like H&M or whatever and then they get a percentage discount or something off their um, next t-shirt or whatever it's probably like yeah hopefully that's the way it's gets starting to go. In an, in an ideal world yeah I mean I know because obviously this is what I do doing the reuse is really really labour labor heavy so for a small company like ours it it sort of makes up for getting the base materials at free or cheaper costs but obviously it makes up for in terms of having to wash it and unpick it and sort it and that's i think that's what dissuades a lot of larger companies from doing something like that because it would it would cost them more to, to to do that and then just buying recycled yarn is is cheaper because you're buying something that's already been been made that um reuse should always come before recycling because you're not this is this is the most carbon friendly way of doing something with old yeah, things because totally. I am, yeah i'm just using my sewing machine and my lights and yeah. heating if it's cold yeah um whereas i'm not che- i'm not altering anything chemically is and that's what recycling does and that's what the bigger companies are looking to do because they can do it in mass yeah um, and that, that I guess, is the, sec- the second option. The very last option is the recycling. To take it back out into the system. Totally, yeah. Yeah, because, uh, well, everyone, I mean, we found out, really, that recycling isn't the answer at all. Like, uh, it's, um, you know, like all your cans and everything and how much actually gets, re- gets recycled. It's like a bit of a myth, I think um but yeah mm. like uh, if we can it's re basically you're you are probably the best solution at the moment because it's reused rather than recycled and you probably it's all i suppose you could even say it's reusing like repurpose isn't it rather than actually yeah. you're not actually recycling like uh, mm. the whole recycling mentality is actually what you just said about using more energy to recycle it into something yeah. else yeah yeah yeah, and, and I do, I say the words recycle a lot in my website and in terms of my social media because that is what people are familiar with, are familiar yeah. with the term recycling because it, 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 it's good and, you know, companies use it for their PR and it, it, it is very much a positive word because this is, I'm actively recycling, I'm recycling my milk bottles and I'm doing this, mm-hmm. I'm feeling good about it. Reuse needs a better um, reputation, I think, it, mm-hmm. you know, if if you say the word repurpose, you just sort of in the back of some people's heads, it's just a little old lady painting a chest of drawers, you know, upcycling. Yeah, that's totally true. Like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. needs a bit of a cooler front, I think. Yeah, 
definitely, yeah. I know, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think like the message is slowly getting out there with recycling. I think, and um, but it's it, it, like, well, you'll know it's just people's mentality and just slowly coming around to even like the whole recycling, and then we'll slowly come around to like reusing and uh, yeah, sort of slow, slowly getting there, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think I'm lucky in that what we what we're using has had a natural uh, a life that's interesting. You know, the mm -hmm. rope has been yeah, on yeah. climbing trips. The rope could have been across the world. You know, yeah. it's been climbed on, and you know, at least we have the life before the new life story to it. And you know, that's yeah. another good thing about. And it's the same thing with the wetsuits. It's had a life before. It's already yeah. been. It's already been in the surfers van, but now it's in a different shape and a different form. Yeah, it's been weeding uh, loads of times. So oh no! I don't <laughs> see anything? <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, so uh, I was going to ask like about like advertising because I struggle a little bit with um, like because I run an ethical business in bird comments yeah. and trying to be like genuinely as ethical as possible and. Obviously, there's tons of stuff with running running a business that's just like not ethical. And one of the one of the big ones that I like struggle with is uh, like Facebook advertising and Instagram yeah. advertising. Um, yeah. I've dabbled with it. Uh, I'm from a I run like a a graphic design like agency uh, on to, on the side of like what I do for NLC as well. Um, so I've I've never actually advertised with that business. And then obviously I know quite a lot about Facebook advertising and Instagram advertising. Uh, and I've, sorry, yeah, I've, I've dabbled with um, advertising on, on Facebook and just never, a fact, like, I hate it. And never, it's, I don't find it easy, but I also like hate the whole, um, yeah, exactly the whole concept of like, uh, and also like listening into your phone. I had a, like a, I met my friend yesterday to chat about a bit of work and we talked about a, a WordPress editor called Elementor um, and I've not been on that website or anything uh, for weeks and then I went on my phone on Instagram as you do and then there's the advert straight away for Elementor and it's like that it's totally just listened to that conversation um you know yeah like yesterday oh God. it's like like and we all know that that is happening and straight away oh, it's horrible. just like I don't want like my business to pop up if yeah. someone talk like like I just find it like it's totally wrong um but it seems like it's one of the it's obviously the main way to get any business like this out there um yeah so yeah so like how do you find like advertising do you have you used facebook um how do you go about ethically advertising your business <laughs> i i basically have the same um issues as you do, I have the same yeah. kind of um, yeah problems with it. I just it just doesn't it just doesn't sit easily on my yeah. conscience yeah. with you know the big the big big guys the big big cats and having to play their game and I just yeah it unfortunately it is kind of the the main bit like you say is the main bit it's the main way of advertising it's everyone is on their phones all the time <laughs> and mm -hmm. that's how you get your name in, in into you know into someone's kind of um and um, thought train when they're looking for things i mean obviously google is good because i'm using keywords like recycling and reuse if someone types in recycle chalk bag we would come up hopefully yeah. um and sometimes you can try your hardest 
to do everything right, but sometimes you just need to play 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 the game, play the, their game. Yeah. And I do I do use Facebook and Instagram Instagram advertising. I don't use it a lot. I should if I used it more, I guess I would get more returns on it. You know, mm. that's the way it is. But mm. um, in, Instagram has been a really big um, one for us in terms of getting a following, getting a community of, of you know, yeah. the people who, who followed us, like, interact yeah. with us. But that I think that was just a lot of my hard work rather rather than paying for advertising. I mean, when I started, I just spent ages talking to people. <laughs> And everyone that follows us are, are genuine followers. They're not. I haven't done all of the sneaky things that people do when you buy followers or you just follow a hundred people and see who follows you back. I just I kind of like to see what people who who we follow are doing, and I, I mm-hmm. follow. I like to know what's going on in the UK climbing scene and and things like that. And it it, it takes a lot of of time out of your day, and um, mm-hmm. but it's nice because you're talking to people that talk back to you and they're interested in what you're doing and and genuinely support what, what you're about and we have amazing customers and we have amazing people who are backing us because they they genuinely like what we do and I hope genuinely like me and I try to, I, I'm trying my hardest to keep dirt bags as a super honest super kind of it's a really simple concept of what we do. We just take people's bits and uh, watch it and yeah. make it into something that, that you can buy and that looks nice and works well. Totally. And that's that literally it. Um, there's me and there's Carly and there's James. We all get paid the same. We all get paid living wage. Cool. That's it. Um, yeah. So when you're making decisions about advertising, that's when I have to do, like you say, make the, oh, this, this, this doesn't sit well, but what do I do? I know, yeah, yeah. It's really, really difficult, isn't it? That, um, yeah. Like, I think people like massively respect and the honest playing the honest game is like a a massive marketing tool in itself. People, that's all people want. Like, if you're super honest and um, and thing, I think the amazing thing about Instagram is that you can be totally front facing. You can be the the face of the business, and everyone everyone loves that. Like, uh, yeah. they're going to go to you guys rather than a bigger company once uh, it's just knowing that you're there that's the, the once they know that you're there they'll go to you and, and that, you, know, you know your business name is in their head and um, I suppose it's just the difficulty of competing with the massive names that everyone knows that are constantly advertising and doing everything yeah. and they've got huge mm. budgets where it's like everyone that's really yeah. small just doesn't have that um, okay. but yeah so it's just the slow it's the long, long game as well you've just got to play the long game haven't you like absolutely a, but it's it has been really positive lately with um everything that's going on i'm seeing a huge kind of support come in from small businesses supporting other small businesses and people actively saying right i want to help out my local shops that can't open i want to help out my local makers that are Mm -hmm. losing business and they and even last year without without the whole covid thing there was a really big push on only buying things locally or only buying things that are from a smaller business because that's really going to make a difference if someone buys a top bag from me it means i can you know have a bit more money when i do a shop for for my tea and you know it means we can pay our mortgage rather than buy a yacht which is usually the case for you know some massive company totally yeah, it's definitely heading that way. And I think COVID, I mean, there's definitely positives from uh, the whole COVID situation uh, for small ethical businesses, like uh, people 
seem to want to support all of that um, and COVID's only going to uh, hope like solve that um, I think like um, yeah the big one is like the refill shop and like even like um, that, that that refill shop is just supporting only local businesses and so now that pe people know about it they're going to go there um, rather than hopefully yeah support like supermarkets it's just mm. um, yeah I think pe people want to slow down like the whole COVID uh, situation has made people slow down and then they'll consider reconsider like actually where to shop do you recommend any other ethical businesses um for me to go and chat to uh, i know you recommended some climbing uh companies mm. like the goat uh what's the goat kind called again oh silly goat yeah, yeah silly goat that's it yeah so he makes what? he makes climbing brushes and climbing holes from salvaged wood and he's, he's pretty neat he's got the shed and the back garden thing going on cool. but we've got we've got um a company up here over in Stirfley and then it's good for like a Christmas Christmassy thing they it's called Super Love Merino and they make children's clothes out of merino wool yeah and it's all made in Stirfley by makers and they're super nice cool all right well I'll, I'll hit those guys up so there you have the wonderful Jen Wood from Kendall uh, from Dirtbags uh, Climbing Company. Um, yeah, I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, the company that she just mentioned um, is called Super Love Merino. Um, so I'll be in contact with you guys if you're listening uh, to see if you can get you on the podcast and chat about your uh, beautiful uh, kids clothing. It looks amazing. I'm just looking at the website at the moment. Um, so yeah, next week we have um, something a little bit different, but pretty much um, kind of what Inland Sea is doing in, in, in a way. Um, but this guy has gone like huge in a very short space of time. Um, I've got Ed Sanderson from, from um, Ocean Tea Golf. Um, Ed has uh, basically created a, a bamboo tea, not to be confused with a, a t-shirt made out of bamboo. This is a tea uh, that golfers use uh, to uh, hit their balls with and put into the into the grass uh, on the green. Um, so yeah, he's, he's basically found a huge uh, problem within the golfing industry. Um, this is like a mega inspirational chat um, of how you can create a ethical business and how many opportunities there are at the moment within so many different industries to create uh, an ethical business and help solve the climate crisis um so yeah ed's invented a, a golf tee made out of bamboo which is then just being able to diverse into apparel and other lots of other kind of ideas um it's a an amazing chat um, and i'm really looking forward to getting that out there next week catch you then ciao for now Thank you.